a big thing, and, and probably in, in any job, you have moments of frustration. And in, in our job, we might find ourselves being frustrated perhaps with the behavior of individuals rather than circumstance. But being able to pause and remember that we have moments where we probably act in a very odd way because of the stresses in building Dynamo. And we need to always put ourselves in the shoes of the founder. That's our guest today, Santosh Sankar, the director of Dynamo Venture Capital. And this is The Startup Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Adam Vasquez, a.k.a. The Puerto Rican Deacon. He is D-Money Rhymes with Honey, a.k.a. The Pod Wozniak. And our guest today left Wall Street to work in venture capital and has never really looked back. Santosh uh, was named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 this year in 2018. And he's been leading Dynamo VC since founding it with uh, his partners, one of whom is Ted Alling, who you guys will remember, former guest on this show. On today's episode, Santosh gives us a sneak peek into what he's looking for in entrepreneurs who Dynamo invests in, uh, the keys to finding and making wise investments, and he breaks some news, a new program that uh, Dynamo is offering that I think many of you who uh, may be interested or looking for advice in terms of earning VC or, or maybe interested and ready to earn VC right now will be able to take advantage of. So I'm really excited to share that with you and, and thankful that Santosh was willing to come on and uh, and share that with us. So toss your phone in your pocket, head out for your run, whatever it is you like to do while listening to these episodes and enjoy this conversation with Santosh Sankar. All right. Thanks so much for coming on, Santosh. We've yeah. got Santosh Sankar. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, glad to be here. Cool. Honored. With with Dynamo. So tell us real quick what your uh, position is here with Dynamo. Yeah, um, I'm one of the co-founders and, and I'm a director here. Um, basically, um, I figure out what to get done, how to get done, how to get it done, and then uh, I'm one of the folks doing it. Cool. Um, we're a relatively small team based here in the scenic city. And this, for anybody who doesn't know, you guys are a VC firm focused primarily on, um, how would you describe the companies you... Yeah, um, we are a, uh, a, a an early stage fund uh, focused on opportunities that are transformative to the state of global trade. Uh, and very specifically, that puts us in and around the supply chain, but also transportation. Uh, we love thinking about the movement of freight and increasingly also the, the movement of uh, passengers, uh, humans. And uh, we invest globally, so we have 14 uh, investments out of our current uh, core fund. And um, really, when when we look at our, our investments, it's generally uh, expansive across various points of the supply chain. It touches the various needs of certain industries or verticals. But the commonality is that we can actually help each and every single one of them. And that's really something that's embedded in our decision-making process. If we can't help, we won't invest. It's a little ambiguous. You guys should maybe think about trying to specify what you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. So that's that is super specific and super niche. What uh, I know that's not how you started your career. So how, no. walk us through. You know, how did you get involved in this? Gosh, um, 
so from from high school on, um, I I was always entrepreneurial. Um, I was one of those kids that asked his parents for a lot of nice things, and and um, my, my parents moved here when I was about nine months old. Uh, we moved from India. I was born there. Grew up in Maryland. Um, had the fortunate ability of uh, going to school at Penn State. And when I was at Penn State, I we are Penn State. Always, yeah. <laughs> Um, super proud of that. Uh, but, uh, even in, in college, uh, when I was looking for a job, my, my friends and I came together and built a company in order to stand apart. Uh, but in the process that led me to wall street, spent five, uh, awesome, but grueling years there. I think I learned a lot. I think it galvanized my, my work ethic, the way I viewed the world. Um, and at the end of 2014, I was really looking for a change. So I used to spend my weekends, uh, at general assembly. Uh, kind of retraining uh, myself um, into a world that is more driven by technology, collaboration, cross uh, disciplines, and uh, was introduced to TED um, by by virtue of my network. And one thing led to another, and um, I mean, Adam, you know TED. He's one of the most compelling people in the world that I've ever met. And TED convinced me to spend a month after I quit my job in Chattanooga. Um, and uh, the way he put it was, hey, man, you know, I cannot explain it to you, but when you come here, you will realize there's something in the water. The energy here cannot describe. And I came here in March 2015, quit my job cold turkey, and, man, I, I totally saw it. And, you know, I was thinking about going to Berlin or London or just far-off places, and um, Chattanooga became home. And uh, I spent those uh, first few months here just working with Ted, Barry Allen on some of their uh, early investments. And late that year, um, after kind of figuring out, hey, you know, we get along, um, we've been talking about doing an accelerator or raising a fund. We said, hey, you know what? There's a need in this industry. We have three of the most recent stars in, in the industry at the table in Ted, Barry, and Allen. Let's go do it. And in the process, what I realized was there's no real clear path to VC. D despite, there are a lot of people who say you have to be an operator, you have to do this, you have to do that. Actually, the, the beauty of venture capital and I think startups is everybody has their own path. And there's a beauty in the path and everybody needs to find their own path uh, to the ultimate goal. And, and my goal was to be uh, in venture. And I'm just fortunate to say that I found it earlier than I thought I would. Yeah, I... I want to get more into that path and how you see that playing out for, for other people who are interested. Yeah. Um, but I think just touching on what you were just, what you were just describing, you know, Chattanooga, that's not what the podcast is necessarily about today, but I think, uh, it is such a unique place because of people like Ted and, and yeah. uh, listeners know we had him on in the past and I, you know, I've told this story a million times now, but when I had, I was working uh, for a New York agency and, and before I went to work for Vayner and so he, didn't, had no reason to meet with me or know who I was. I just sent him a cold email. Mm -hmm. He was living in London. A month later, I had totally forgotten I had even sent the email. His assistant reached out to me. Hey, Ted would like to meet with you. I just feel like that's very unique. And yep. so um, being able to do that, like that, that makes it part of the special place that I'm sure appeals yeah. to you. Yeah, there's a, there's an adage, and I, I've actually parked the domain the Nuga way. Okay. Or the, the, the Chattanooga way. Um, but th that's a part of it. Um, it's, it's a community that is very collaborative. And 
at the early stage, a, a founder or any entrepreneur, I don't care whether you're venture backed or bootstrapped or otherwise, um, there's something to be said about a community that will rally around you and kind of give you the support because you know, hey, I'm taking a big risk. Hmm. And um, with risk comes, you know, situations that might not work out favorably, but this is a community where they'll help people get up, put them in the right spot where they can continue to go achieve or find happiness. Mm. Uh, but part of that's also willing to just grab a coffee with somebody you might never know. Yeah. It's, it's so very Southern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I often talk about, I think the Northern thing, Northern aggression is a little overblown. It is. But the Southern uh, kindness thing is, is underserved in my opinion. Yeah. Like people are gen- genuinely willing to just mm-hmm. help you out. That's right. With no, with no expectation, which That's is right. wild. That's so. right. And um, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in karma and just sometimes you just put into the piggy bank and you'll never know. It'll always come back and help you out. Favorably. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one, one of my, when you were just talking, it just hit me that like a lot of times startups and VC are linked for whatever reason people think of startups they think i need to raise money then i need to but nobody nobody thinks or nobody talks about the people who are starting up you know the the firms like yours yeah. um which is a start i mean is and was a startup right yeah it, so talk about like you know you said w- there's ups and downs and things like that what what was one of the things where you uh guys were headed a certain direction and have, and have had to pivot yeah and you know what did you how did you get through that when you're also the counselor to startups and helping yeah. them do that yeah um you know when when we started out we had this global accelerator program alongside our fund and um we set out to do it for three years and we did it for two years we did it in 2016 our launch year and we did it uh this past year in 2017 and when we paused after 2017, you know, we, like any other business, are kind of looking around, seeing what we did well, where we could improve. But we also did a, a gut check. Hey, you know, how do we all feel about it? Um, you know, we've, we've done this accelerator. We've made a name for ourselves around it. But we did it for what? And we did it to, you know, come out with a strong brand. We had some great corporate support uh, in that effort. Um, we also we're trying to initialize our sourcing apparatus. And by that, I mean every venture capitalist lives and dies by the quality and quantity of companies he or she can attract to invest in. And when we stepped back, we said, hey, we've done that. And actually, if we don't do this program anymore, we still have the benefits of it. And that's really why we did it. So does it make sense to keep this thing going? Because it was a huge effort. And when we all looked around, we said, we did this because we want to be investors. Um, and that distracts us from that a little bit. And you know, that was hard. Um, that required us to really make sure that we're, we're doing the, the right, we're asking the right types of questions, we're making the right types of, uh, of gut checks, and really thinking about the implications. And uh, we gained conviction. We in, in kind of announced this evolution. And we had the ability to say, hey, we don't want to do that anymore. We're going to get rid of it. And sometimes it's hard to do because you gain used to it there's something about comfortable and and being comfortable as a human and we don't do well with change but part of a startup is we can move quickly because we're small and we have the ability and we're empowered to make those decisions quickly and there's other things like ego of like that was somebody's idea you know and and that was somebody's Mm -hmm. uh, uh, project and 
you know, I'm just thinking about it from my perspective. That would be like if we just, it's much bigger, but it would be like if we just decided to stop the podcast because it wasn't serving our bigger goals, there'd be a little bit of me that's like, ah, I wish I didn't have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, so you guys were able to make that decision and, and better serve what was actually going to grow the bottom yeah. line, which is la- being laser focused on providing people with money and, and consulting essentially yeah. when, they're, when they're in that growth mode. Yeah, we're, you know, um, a, a, as an investor, I would say that you're in the business of really um, dispensing advice um, and you form a, a bond and you have trust. There's a dynamic between an investor and a founder. And I would say that it's kind of a, it's a hallowed thing here um, in, in our office where we need to make sure we're really comfortable. We, we buy into the people. And uh, the, the capital and all the legal agreements is kind of we sign that and, and we bond ourselves through that. But really we're, you know, I was just on the phone with the founder uh, before this, but we, we text, WhatsApp, um, Slack, email, call each other. We're always plugged into our founders. So it's a very interpersonal business for us. Yeah. So with that, then there's a lot of the um, upfront or, you know, the decision then that you have to make. And some of it is obviously, you know, statistics and analysis. And obviously your background is steeped in that. But talk about the other side. Like, what do you see sometimes in founders that makes you feel comfortable that, you know, this is a relationship worth pursuing and and investing in long term? Yeah, that's that's a very good question. Um, It's also the part of the business that some might say is subjective or is very subjective. But uh, the the number one thing, and, and I guess the the very abbreviated response, which I'll dig into, is uh, could you see yourself um, be beholden to this person for the rest of your life? Because it's really it's a it's a lifelong bond. You're you're funding somebody's dream, and the hopes are in the next ten years you see a healthy return off That's of it wild. as an investor. But the reality is, you know, you want to be there for that person for their next business and their business after that. So can you even last a transatlantic flight sitting next to them? Right. Number one, are, do you like them? Yeah, it, it, it matters. And it might be understated, but are they coachable? Um, we really only invest in teams and we've learned that uh, over the last couple of years. So as a team, are they complementary? So do you generally have a builder and do you have a seller and do you have somebody who could operate if there's um, a trio? Uh, but are they tenacious? So is this a group that is thinking about this problem and opportunity and they cannot stop thinking about it and the process, they're going to run through brick walls. They're going to be like the Hulk smashing through. And it's because they're so restless. They cannot live without this problem solved in the world. Those are the types of people we're, we're looking for. But at the same time, are they ones to make brash decisions or are they actually going to be very informed about their decision making? So they run experiments. They're data driven in a sense. Mm-hmm. These are the uh, overarching qualities that we look for. Um, I would say the, the last thing is, you know, when it comes to coachability, we're not a group of investors who will ever tell a founder what to do, but it's important where when you start to kind of give perspective opinions or introduce experts, when we're talking about certain functional areas like sales or operations or hiring a, a marketing lead, um, do they take some of your perspectives and your advice. Even if they don't follow through with it, they can still say, this is what I did, but this is why. Mm-hmm. That's meaningful. That's important. Mm-hmm. So the, the the team thing is interesting because I think so, so much of the um, 
you know, I don't the narrative or the romanticism of entrepreneurship is like you're this lone wolf and you're out and and you guys intentionally go after groups of yeah. people. And if you, so uh, have you found that to lead to a higher success rate or is it just uh, a personal preference because you guys work in a team or. Uh, yeah, um, we we work in a team. Um, we, we've had kind of personal experiences with teams, but the the thing about building something from nothing is that it's a huge emotional journey. So forget the the fact that, you know, you might be best equipped to write code and you need somebody to go sell it. Forget all that. It's the fact that, you know, you are going to have your back up against the wall and you just need somebody to empathize with you and to share that journey with you. And that's where we see oftentimes solo founders, even those we have not invested in, come back to us and they just want to have an ear or, or a shoulder and that can be very powerful because if you're emotionally resolute and you have somebody you can align with that's going towards the same goal, it doesn't really matter what else is going on. You can generally tend to find ways uh, to uh, go at it. But when we then look at, hey, functionally things need to get done and there's only so much that a single human can do, that's where teams really come together. And you can say that, um, a, a very complementary, high-octane team can really navigate a lot of the vagaries that a market can throw at them. So that's where we'll always say we're founder first. If we cannot really get comfortable with the team, it could be a huge market, it could be amazing, the traction could be great. We're just not the best ones. Yeah. So to, for you guys, it you. sounds like if I had to distill that, it's it's be a good person, you know, mm-hmm. be obsessed with your problem, yep. and um, be collaborative or... or at least be willing to be a part of a team in, yeah. o- in order to conquer that problem or sort of the, some of the pillars that you yeah. guys are looking at. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, the, the way we put it, uh, if, if I can recall it the, the right way in, in writing the, the way we put it is, um, complimentary, coachable, data-driven, tenacious. Okay. Oh, data-driven. Um, yeah. Makes sense. Cool. So if someone's out there, they've got ideas, they're building, they're building a, uh, either a, a company that would fit within your wheelhouse or even in a different industry, and they're considering taking investment, which is something that um, <laughs> probably because of the poorly chosen title of this show, people ask us all the time, like, hey, should we be considering taking investment? I have no idea. I've never taken investment. Mm-hmm. Or I, you know, um, What's some of your advice to, to those people as they're going through that process of should I be taking investment? What kind should I be taking on that, you know, yeah. that, that process? Yeah, um, the 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 reality of the matter is that you do not need venture capital to build an amazing business. Venture capital is not for everyone, and it's not for every situation either. And um, a vast minority of businesses actually in the country take venture capital. Um, you have local funding sources such as banks, so that's more of loan-type instruments. Right. Um, more locally, too, are, are strategic individuals that might have come into wealth because they're an expert in an area. So that we tend to call those angels. And angels tend to get bunched in with the venture capital scene. But the, the, the beauty is that not all types of capital are equal. So they don't all provide the same type of expertise and support. But also, they are all looking for something different. So that's where oftentimes, if you're saying, hey, I want to go build a business, 
uh, in the process. I don't necessarily know everything that I need to do. I know kind of at a high level what needs to get done. An angel could be a, a great source of advice, but also capital support. And the reality of a great angel is they know that the risk is that they could lose everything, right? Permanent capital impairment. Um, and they're comfortable with that. And they're, and they're comfortable yeah. with it because the ethos is actually I'm trying to be helpful. That's really what great angels lead with, that I'm trying to be helpful. I'm writing a small check. Uh, because I want to contribute something economically. And, hey, there might be some upside. At, at some point, I can also earn a, a healthy return on. Uh, but take a step back and, and really look at your business. Look at who uh, you are a, as a founder or founding team and figure out, hey, does that make sense to take venture, right? Venture capital, you're on the clock. You're generally on the clock for about 10 years because venture capitalists want to earn a return in about 10 to 12 years. And with that come a lot of different things. You're probably going to have somebody on the board. You're probably going to have somebody opine about a lot of the major decisions you're making, for, for better or for worse. Um, there are certain things you can and you cannot do that when you have capital on the table that um, you need to ask for permission for. So hiring the right types of people, stock compensation, selling the company. Um, you need to really be, be all in when you have an investor. And that's something where... If you're bootstrapped, it might be slower growth. You're on a longer journey, but for certain types of individuals, that's better. And and the VC journey to that point is not a sprint anyway. No. If you're looking at a ten-year roadmap, so I think because I do think that's something that is an assumption that sometimes happens is like if I can get this, it'll blow up more quickly, and, and mm-hmm. it does, I guess, occasionally. But yeah. But that mindset is key to be able to be in it for the long haul. And to yeah. To go, okay. Yeah, that, uh, that's a super good point. Um, when when you take venture capital, it's just not going to be the, the pill that takes everything up and to the right. Um, it's, okay, we've been able to prove that we're an amazing team and we can figure out how to earn a return on this capital. But it's still a process. You need to think about how do you still build a great business? So the common denominator is if you're building just a fundamentally sound business, cut out all the headlines, all the hype, just focus on your customers, how you're servicing your customers, how you can be the best at what you do. Investor capital will come if you need it. But at the end of the day, regardless, you have an amazing business right. to be proud of. Right. So just focusing on those oper- you know, fundamentals. Fundamentals, yeah. So that, that kind of leads me to um, you've now been growing this business. You've helped. How many businesses have you guys helped? Uh, gosh, uh, it's on the wall behind you. So one, two, oh, yeah. three, four, five, six. Uh, we have 19 businesses that a dynamo entity has funded out of our current fund. Uh, we have partnered with 14 to date. So you've, you've grown the, you've grown, helped these businesses grow and you've helped dynamo grow. Um, what have you seen, and I think part of it you just talked about, uh, but what have you seen as sort of the core skills or uh, competencies or whatever that have helped you guys continue to grow, whether that be on the operations side or you alluded to some of the hype things and earned media and, and things like that. Yeah. Also, just so you guys know, I'm looking around. There's just plaques with Forbes all around this room. <laughs> And Santosh's face is just on one of them, thirty for thirty, just uh, just I, for context. I, I, I begrudgingly uh, purchased mine, but <laughs> I really wanted our, our our founders up there. No, sure. it's it's awesome. But that to um, the, that to that point, obviously, you have experience doing this. Yeah. Um, so um, 
I think the 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 question was um, what are the skills in in order to be help uh, just yeah helpful. skills lessons whatever yeah um gosh I think the 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 first thing is kind of know what you don't know and a big part of of this business is when somebody calls you whether you made an investment or not to ask for an opinion there's going to be situations where you say I know and this is where I have perspective and this is what I saw happen in this situation or that situation. There's going to be a second bucket where you say, I don't know, but let's together figure it out and think it through and find out. There's going to be a third bucket where you say, I don't know. I actually don't even know how to think about it, but let me find somebody who does. And I think uh, that is the one huge thing where you don't need to have all the answers. In fact, when you don't have all the answers is when you're going to be more approachable and relatable uh, as an investor, and there shouldn't be this kind of uh, dynamic where we revere investors. That's I think totally incorrect. We're we're people too. We don't want to sit kind of in our, in our ivory tower. We want to be approachable and, and helpful to uh, f- the 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 founding teams whom we serve. There's obviously a servant leadership mentality to uh, to be had there. But when we think about you know also saying you know how do you think about growth? Um, you take capital as a founder or you go raise a fund or uh, you have, you know, an amazing moment where you go uh, make an investment as as Dynamo. What levers do you pull to improve your brand, gain notoriety for, for what you're doing? Because that is important at the end of the day. Awareness, right? Uh, brand awareness. So we've seen things such as the podcast that we're sitting on right now work really well. Um, obviously, uh, when your founders throw your hat in the ring for an award like Forbes 30 under 30, there's franchise value to be had for yeah. Dynamo as well. Um, a big thing that we tap into, I think, that we've gained the benefit of is also trade-related publications. Mm-hmm. So that's being able to, I think, also connect to the folks that um, we maintain relationships with on the corporate side because that's very beneficial for our founders when we plug them into our network, because that generates customer dollars, which is the best dollar. But that's also um, something where you gain empathy. Like, how are you supposed to, as a founder, build a business to serve a customer if you have no idea the, the pains the customer has? So put yourself in their shoes. Talk to those reporters. Ask them, what are big companies telling you? Okay, that's great. The next time I have something big, do you mind if I ping you? Okay, you know what? We just had that situation in our portfolio stored. This raised a seed round, but he's going and he's speaking with industry reporters and saying, hey, you know what? Because of the types of conversations you and I had over the last 18 months, I went out and I built a product and I raised funding off of it. Really? But I'm going to share that with you and let's open the door. Let's have conversations through your platform and your publication. So you're building that industry network mm-hmm. even prior to when it's time to press go. Per se. Correct. Yeah, and and I think that's super important, and, and that's something I did not know before Dynamo. Yeah. Right? I I I thought, hey, you know, there is a a, uh, a network and universe of journalists, and if I have something juicy, surely they're going to read my email. <laughs> Hell no! <laughs> How naive was I? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Talk I mean, about like, uh, but just like anything else, you got to build relationships and have a cadence for. Um, for whether it's trade publication, startup publication, give into the ecosystem too, right? So things like social media, be active on Twitter. I don't care if you have 200 followers. The fact that you put thoughtful content out there, the beauty of the world is you'll get picked up. Yeah. 
And if you're adding value, at some point that value is going to come back and get returned yeah. to you as well. Well, and it's also a, 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 just from a pragmatic standpoint, you know, we had on Josh Rowe on the podcast recently, who's just a, mm-hmm. a he works at, just locally here. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember the TV ABC. Uh, yeah. WRCB. Yeah. I think it's WCRB. I don't know. How to, but anyway, and, um, you know, the big thing he was talking about is that he's they have to put this out every day. You know, this isn't a, uh, I don't know. I think we think of traditional media and it's like, well, they're always looking for a story. They always need something. But they're creating something, a new story every single day. And they take that creation very, very seriously, obviously. They, or else they wouldn't have existed for the past mm-hmm. however many decades. That's right. And so what you're talking about is preparing and putting in the legwork so that when you do have a story, it's something that's worth it to them to, Correct. to feature, which I think is... Yeah, I, I, the same way. I think with uh, with our business, we got rolling, and so immediately I thought, "Well, this is interesting. We're doing something different. I'm sure people will start picking this up." No, radio silence. Because right. Who am I, and and what are we doing? Like, who cares? Correct. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's very pr- practical. I like that. But that's also probably the, the 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 beauty and and the audacity of founding something, being a builder. Mm. Right. It just you have that resolute belief that I'm just going to go do it and somebody's going to look up and it's going to be amazing. Of course. Yeah. And um, I think part of it is also having that that journey where you almost try it naively. Yeah. To uh, to, to, to start and you'll eventually figure out, OK, this is the path of development um, to add to kind of the, the narrative arc. Right. Because I, I think startups, it's. A big part narrative and in, in, in storytelling, right? How do you tell the story of, of a founder, why they built their company, what their company is? And that all plays into what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, writing blogs, getting the right type of media, being in front of the folks who are your stakeholders. Where our, um, our, our advisor, John Bradford, who is a big part of the reason we exist today, he was the, the guy who said, just go build the thing, mm-hmm. guys. It needs to exist. He'll always tell me, Santosh, um, he's this, uh, he's an Irish guy, so I'm totally butchering his <laughs> accent, but he, he, he'll always be like, how do you keep the PR thing going? And he goes, you always need to have bumps and upticks, and you have to plan for it. Mm. And it, it's a super powerful, powerful way to think about what you're doing and figure out, is there a story to tell around it that's substantive and meaningful? And part of it might be that Hey, are we doing something that is not actually substantive enough? Are we? We're trying to engage startups. Is this meaningful enough where somebody will say, "Hey, I'm going to write a story about it"? Because if it is, there's something probably there. Um, and our our investment process, uh, when we write our memo, it's actually in the form of a blog post. Oh, really? And very similar concept. Um, there, there's a lot of uh, of belief that written content and communications through writing is very powerful, and I subscribe to that. I, I write a lot, and there's a lot of stuff. The mirror stuff never sees the, uh, the light of day, but when we think about investing, it's how do we communicate why we've invested, and can we do so in a very succinct manner and convey that to the masses? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, a, a lot of that you're talking about, and it goes a little bit back to being egoless, and, and, you know, we started off, the, there's been this little theme of that, but we started off the conversation the, where you guys had to pivot, ego had to be set aside. You talked mm-hmm. about servant leadership uh, to who you're serving, and mm-hmm. you have to set the ego aside. And then when it comes to growing and uh, putting yourself in front of those advisors or in front of those reporters, again, um, 
you're, you're, you're a little bit setting down your own importance in order yeah. to be able to build those relationships. And so humility, it feels like is a, yeah, an important thread, um, which, you know, I can't imagine is easy when VCs often are a little, are, are somewhat worshiped, uh, yeah. by the people that want to be invested in, right? Yeah. Like that's, you have the money, they want the money. So, um, how, what, have you found just personally is helpful to stay grounded and to continue that, that humility? Um, I think a big thing and, and probably in, in any job you have moments of frustration and in, in our job, we might find ourselves being frustrated perhaps with the behavior of individuals rather than circumstance, but being able to pause and remember that, we have moments where we probably act in a very odd way because of the stresses in building Dynamo. And we need to always put ourselves in the shoes of the founder. Hey, they're not responding in a timely way. So maybe they're not responding within a week to emails that are, or that, that are of importance. But why is that? What else are they doing? Are they actually doing what they should be doing, building a business, not fooling around on email, answering an investor's questions? If it's that... Urgent, pick up the phone and, and, and call them. But always having empathy. So being able to, I think, drive humility and stay humble is also an exercise in are you maintaining empathy? Can you relate to your founders? They're going through a lot of trials and tribulations. They're making sacrifices at home. They're making sacrifices at work. Are there certain things that they're going through that you should be lending your support to them? Just because they're acting in a certain way today doesn't mean they're bad people right, or, or right. weak founders just be cognizant of that be aware no i think that's important for i don't have founders or i don't have investors but we have customers mm -hmm. or i'm sure listeners have um customers or teammates or things like that where it is easy to you know in a heralded position i can't imagine how it is because in a normal just vendor client relationship it's easy to think i have the power i need you know yeah and playing that game so um that, that's helpful. Our customer is the founder. Mm. Right. That's the the, the uh, business we're in. Right. If the founder didn't accept or was unwilling to accept our check and our partnership, you know, we're not going to exist. Right. Our LPs will say, okay, you're not able to attract and convince people that you're the right partner. Why should we allocate funds to you? There are hundreds of different micro VCs out there. So that's where it comes down to. Yeah. So you talked about putting yourself in front of advisors, putting yourself, uh, connecting yourself to those networks, things like that. I know one of them is the um, Rise of the Rest. They've been, you know, along the same um, journey and, and, and pushing the same agenda of uh, investing in things that are outside of just the coasts and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so they're coming here to, or they're here, I guess yeah. the day today. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, here today. So, so we'll be running off to, uh, go, uh, 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 uh attend some of that programming. Uh, sorry, but yeah. Um, the, uh, rise of the rest effort we think has been, um, one of the more amazing and, and, and I think very calculated efforts by any large investment vehicle, just the fact that opportunity exists everywhere in the U.S. It's one of the amazing things about this country. But being able to very clearly say, hey, we're not going to go where everyone else goes, Bay Area, New York, Boston, but middle America, right? Places like Chattanooga. And, and so they're here celebrating 
Um, what Chattanooga's done as a community, uh, we're very thankful to call them co-investors in two of our companies to date. Um, but we also have uh, some amazing news where uh, Dynamo will be um, running what we're calling our Founders Camp this fall. So from October 1st through the 5th, uh, we're going to get up to 20 amazing founders from around the world to come spend four days with us. And the four days is devoted entirely to building their business, the fundamentals, right? Back to um, what we said earlier. So the first couple days will be focused on founders learning from other founders. How do we not repeat the same mistakes? We learn from the lessons that others before us have, have, have learned. And then the final two days will be focused on uh, corporate interactions. So talking to potential future customers, partners, getting thoughtful input, insight, and advice on your product, your go-to market. Um, and you leave, at the end of the day, better off than when you arrived here. But uh, you can go to our website, dynamo.vc, and I'll be up there real big. <laughs> you can't miss it. Um, but if you have any questions, shoot me a note, santosh at dynamo.vc. Happy to have a chat. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be cool. And that's just hit me. Uh, I don't even know if how much of this I'll include with the humility thing, but that, that is kind of cool because it sort of scratches that itch, it sounds like, of what you were intending originally with the, um, uh, what do you call it? Our accelerator. The accelerator. Yeah. yeah. It's a very similar practice. I mean, obviously condensed and things like that. But yeah. We're, um, we're drawing from the strengths of that. So what we did um, was we, we did some customer discovery <laughs> with founders. So we, we talked to our existing portfolio, floated by some other founders who uh, were not investors in. Um, and we said, hey, you know, what's helpful? What's not helpful? And we put together this construct. And uh, there's no cost to attend. We don't take equity. There's no program fee. Um, you just make a commitment to be engaged for that duration and four days. Yep. And, um, you should walk away better off, right? You have a body of knowledge that you probably didn't have walking in and you have a bigger network, but definitely, uh, speaking to our strength. And that's our core, one of our core strengths that we're known for. How do you get interesting people that can work together in the right room and drive that engagement? Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, uh, it's been awesome, cool. uh, chatting with you. And yeah. I, I definitely miss the podcast yeah we're gonna have to get God, that this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know santa what was the what was the pod called? um it's called dynamo discussions um is it still uh it's still up there uh we haven't done one in a year but um yeah definitely something i'm i'm willing to reevaluate that off yeah you could be my co-host oh okay i don't know anything about we'll uh, we'll get you on an autonomous truck there we go <laughs> There we go. <laughs> We're talking about we can do one earlier. on an autonomous I truck. I love that. A flatbed. The first Flying podcast on a truck, on a moving truck. Yeah, you heard it here first. But um, awesome. Well, thanks for joining yeah, us. And, thanks, uh, Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Huge thanks to Santosh for coming on. I really enjoyed that episode and hope you did as well. If you did, I hope you'll throw us a five-star review. Each one is a huge help as we continue to inspire and educate entrepreneurs of all kinds to get started and continue creating. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new weekly rundown. Uh, but until then, hope you guys have a great week and get started.